back. This podcast is scheduled for one fall. One fall! With the 60-minute time limit. Coming out of the black corner at a combined weight of 666 pounds. Recording to you from at the top of Kilimanjaro. I'm your boy Xander Hobbs. This is... Bobby. Public safety power shut off B. And once again, we're finally bringing you another slamming edition of the Wrestleocalypse. It is upon us. And it is upon us indeed. We finally get to record to you guys out there. Sorry for the delay, but that was out of our hands because another heel in the game that's been chapping our ass has been Southern California Edison. Bobby, I heard there was power out everywhere. Yeah, yeah, you had it, I had it, the Dark Lord had it. I mean, it's been insane. A little bit of breeze comes up, and they shut us off. Granted, they're not gonna, we're not going to break on our bell. No, definitely not. And it's funny because these motherfuckers couldn't um, properly invest in building the infrastructure the proper, popular way. Proper way, I'm sorry, easy for me to say. So, you know, this is what we have to get. They get sued, rightfully so, because their shit's not up to date. And every time there's a slight gust of wind, our power goes out. And where I live, our power goes out for days. Like, it's 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 the first one out, it's the last one back on. And frankly, there's got to be a fucking better way to do it, because we're paying the bills, but I'm asking, what the fuck are we paying for if they're just going to decide to turn the power off like that? Yeah, well, I think what we've been paying for is for shareholders to get rich, and now that shit's hitting the fan, they're basically throwing their hands up in the air like they don't care, which they don't. You know, it's like, it's they're so scared about the liability because their infrastructure is so decrepit that they feel it's okay to just shut off people's power. And it's crazy. We live in a suburb of Los Angeles. Right next to us, LADWP, they're not having their power shut off. So what gives? Somebody's able to do it right and somebody's not. And that person who's not doing it right is the second biggest heel in the game. And that's SCE. You goddamn right. And the thing is, like I said, if they fucking properly updated their shit, they wouldn't be in this position of getting sued. And like I said, it's dangerous what they're doing because I stepped out there to go pick things up and it is it was black over the whole east side of where we live in. And that people don't know how to stop at stoplights when they're working properly, let alone when they're completely off. I was like, say someone gets in an accident. Why? And then they get seriously injured, Dark Lord forbid. Why'd they do that? Oh, because um, SE decided this is the safest way to keep everybody safe by just turning the power off. Not good. Not good enough. Do no. something about it. What do we Use our money instead of lining our, your pockets. Use our money to rebuild that grid so it works properly through a town that's notorious for having wins that you've known about for fucking years. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, All right. That's it. All right. Well, then. All right. Whew. All right. But <sighs> fortunately for you guys, now that that is off of our chest and mine, we're going to go into Wrestling Night in America. And we have double the cover, but we're going to go through it real quick. So let's hit it right now. Yes. Dynamite. Man, everybody knows if you've been paying any attention that last Wednesday, as in two Wednesdays ago, there was a surprise um, wrestler who debuted for AEW. Yep, and that was the, the Stinger, the man himself, Sting, from the depths, comes back and comes out. It was, I didn't know that that was going to happen. That was a huge surprise. I dug how he came out, 
how he walked around and just acknowledged everyone in the ring. Really cool. It just talks about the nuances. Sting is 61 years old. He gets it. He knows how to do it. And um, I thought it was a cool moment. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, and it was, seriously, it was the talk of wrestling, you know. And it was just, they had such a big episode that week. And really, Sting stole headlines that probably should have gone elsewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, I mean, he's an icon. He is the the icon, really. Absolutely. And I think it shows some chinks in the WWE armor, like, I don't know, maybe he was mad that they never put that Undertaker match together. Maybe he was mad because he never really liked WWE, and they only, the only reason he was even in, around them is because they bought out all of, you know, the inter- intellectual properties that he was part of. Yeah, I mean, I heard that he wanted that cinematic match with Taker. I thought I think that's what he wanted on there, and apparently Vince and Taker didn't weren't feeling the same way, so that was probably the icing on the cake, so to speak, for him to leave. So whatever, like that's cool and everything. But um, on Sting, we have a new AEW champion. Um, I'm having trouble talking tonight. We have a new AEW champion, as we both predicted, and probably many people did. Kenny Omega is your new All Elite Wrestling Champion, defeating Mox in controversial fashion. And um, what did you think about all that? I liked it. I mean, you know, he's the cleaner and he's turning heel and that's what heels do when they win. And, you know, he had to go super heel because Moxley is such a tweener. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing. Yeah. And it's cool because, I mean, Don Callis, like every everyone knows Omega's mic skills aren't like, you know, the best. And so Don Callis is a pretty good heel. And um, he can talk it up. So I like the partnership. I also like the part the the partnership between AEW and Impact that's happening. And there's a lot of possibilities that could happen if it's done right. It'll be good for both companies, you know, especially Impact, because you know that talent exchange they have would be really off the hook. There'd be some cool matches that you know we've wanted to see for a while. Yeah, we don't want to get too into it because I believe we'll be talking about it a little bit later during Cool Shit. But right. Um, overall, you know, the, the December 2nd show, they really pulled out all the stops with the Don Callis, the, the Sting, and everything. And then this week, they tried to, they built on it a little bit. Um, what I really kind of liked more was that TH2 Young Bucks match this week. Yeah. That was the only really high point for me for, um, AEW because other than that, it was pretty. I mean, I understand. I don't. I don't expect it to be another. They they brought out all the stops on the December second one, but this one kind of was like a lot of meh going on on it. Even the Sting interview was pretty meh. Like I didn't really like how he was like just a normal dude. He seemed like he was like Steve Borden with the Sting makeup on. You know, I would have liked. I and I know a lot of people feel this way, so it's not a nitpick. It's just like it would have been cool if there was just like a little bit more like Sting esque. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like AEW really get is trying to get a lot of mileage out of this whole back on TNT. Yeah. Oh, Bischoff back on TNT. Oh, Sting and it's like, yeah, I get that. Like you're trying to like tickle that nostalgia, but I thought he was way too happy like to be there. I did kind of appreciate the the interactions with Cody and really right. like obviously Darby Allen is over as fuck. Like uh-huh. what they've got going with him is great. And obviously, you know, they're, they're building a program with that, but I agree. Like this TH2 young bucks match, um, which really was the last two weeks. The young bucks have, have put in, put on probably the match. I mean, 
not really what the title match was being what it was, but both their last two weeks, both their matches have been really, really good. Yep. And I just, I hope this is a continuation versus TH2. I know the Bucks won that match. I'm pretty sure they won. Yeah. Cause that was a sick Meltzer driver on the fucking concrete. And then they went into that double knee thing, but I hope uh, TH2, uh, hybrid two doesn't stop there because in the tag team division there's not many teams on the forefront right now the good friends and um who are they fighting miro and kip sabian are busy butcher and blade are busy against the death triangle so you know there's not really and then all the other tag teams are new so this is a perfect time for the young for young bucks and uh, hybrid two to just get a real good program out this there's a lot of my, uh tread on the tires this should not be over honestly he- yeah, I agree. I agree. But they do have a new tag team featuring uh, Flying Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, glad to see him making his way to the main roster. Um, yep. He was in the match. They, they were in the match against FTR, making their their debut after losing the titles. Um, right. I really like FTR, man. Uh, they just them and Tully. They just they just check all the boxes they need to check. They're consistent in ring performers. Um, you know, I just I just thought it was great and. You know, even though they won, you know, I don't feel like, the, you know, when they win, it doesn't necessarily take away from who they're going up against. No, because Varsity Blondes, they're paying dues right now. You can tell they're not they're not beating FTR. And that match was booked perfectly. FTR is a good old school and they're a perfect fit in AEW because they're the good contrast to what the AEW style mostly is. You know, FTR, like they said, no flips, just fists. So, you know, they are a good fit, honestly, because I have always said before, wrestling needs variety. It can't just be bruisers. It can't just be high-flying guys. It's got to be something different, like an ice cream shop. I love (laughs) mint chocolate chip ice cream. But if somebody likes pralines and cream, I'm not going to not sell it if it's my number one seller, you know? So it's just you got to think of it in that terms. Yeah, it was good, though. Um They're they're working like we saw a little bit with Cody Rhodes coming out and kind of getting looked over by Sting, and then we had the the Shack segment, and um, look, it looks like you're clamoring for for a heel turn almost. Yeah, I just, I mean, like I said, I think Cody Rhodes has done everything he could as a babyface, and it's time to like you know for him to turn heel. Um, Brandy Rhodes is unlikable anyway, so that's fine. But that Shack segment was awful. So it was really bad, but um, I see what I see the bigger picture. Bad segment aside, I see the bigger picture, and it could be it could be a good fresh coat of paint for the two of them. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, like I put here, how dare you think that super face antihero Cody Rhodes would ever turn? But I think that's part of the why he needs to turn. He needs to go full on other way because he's kind of like really skated that line, being heelish. Arn has interfered in some matches, yeah, very heelish. Yeah, so just yeah. go and make the Nightmare family all heels. Although, yeah. we don't know. Dustin may be joining the old uh, Dark Order. So yeah, the recruiting is hot right now with the Dark Order. Yeah, they are They are recruiting big time. It's funny because they, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, they're right where they belong. Like, in the mid-card. Like, you know, they don't believe, they don't need to be at the forefront. But um, I'd be sufficed to say that like it's pretty entertaining, you know. It's gotten my attention seeing what they're doing versus how they were when they first came out. Yeah, yeah. John Silver's taking the lead. They've got you know Evil Unu with the recruiting thing. They're going after yeah. excuse me big talents, which I like. So 
Uh, just a little like a little side piece that we are looking to see how they continue to develop that because it can go either way. Right. Exactly. So, um, which just makes it so exciting the, sometimes. You yeah. know, it's not a sure thing. Like that's we'll what see I, how they that, develop it. Yeah. Um, just real quick, I just want to say I could get behind Lance Archer, babyface Lance Archer. I like how he just same Lance Archer. You know what I mean? He's not changed in any way, but he's just fighting on the other side. And I'm cool with that because not every face needs to be this, oh, gee golly, shucks, you know, you know, shake hands, kiss babies, hug fat chicks, baby face, you know? So it's like, it's fine. I, I like it. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's these rumors about a monster division or monster title or whatever, because they do have all these like yeah. giant monster guys. And, uh, you know, if I feel like if, if they continue to go down this road, you need to have some well-defined heels and well-defined faces. Yes, going into absolutely. it. So, There's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, you know? no, not at all. And also, it helps. Like nobody really knows who Lance Archer is, right? You know, right. like so. I think it helps. One thing uh, with the Monster Division, man, they have definitely let Miro kick some ass. Oh man, that's the Miro we need to see. Like I think that's pretty good right there it's like does this psychotic social media video game influencer gimmick that he has they we need more ass ass kicking from him so they're picking up the pace with this guy so that's good yeah i liked his segment in the uh the diamond double diamond thing whatever that was whatever that thing is yeah he he had some good moments and then definitely coming out after the main event and basically wrecking shop on orange cassidy and everything that was great so Miro looking good. Monster Division, I'm for. Hopefully, we'll see where it goes. Um, and then, man, the women's division keeps trending up. And I know you're a big fan of uh, this talent. Yeah, Abaddon. She's. I I just like her because like um, it breaks up the monotony of AEW. You know that they have some more character stuff. Like I mean, she's kind of similar to like your Rosemary and Sue Young. She's in that supernatural. Um, click, but I think that's cool because the women's division needs stuff like that because they are lacking in a lot of things. But this could be a good, um, a good program with Hakaru Shida. I like how she hit her with the kendo stick and she came up like a zombie afterwards. That was pretty dope. So, like I said, I'm not anointing any of these things that we're putting over, but I'm just saying, like, I'm interested. It's got my interest, and that's good because, like, I, I'm looking forward to watching the next week. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of where AEW is right now. Like, I'm not all in on anything, really, except for maybe Hybrid 2 Young Bucks. That's it. Like, I think I'm pretty all in if they make that happen. But even, like, the Inner Circle stuff continues to kind of be hit or miss. I'm interested to see where it goes, but I'm not, like, I can see how it could go sideways quick. You I'd just I mean? like that to be over. Get to the point of that. You know what I mean? Because there's too many guys that are in this ta- thing that are too talented to be like squabbling, you know, yeah. for like months on end, get it over with, get to the end game and let's watch these guys do what they're good at. And that's wrestle. Yeah. Agree to agree. Um, overall, AEW has been great the last two weeks. They had a huge December 2nd show, which we talked about big surprises. Uh, they've got a couple more. We've got me. Uh, it's going to be interesting because they're going to get preempted. Um, yeah. And NBA starts the week before Christmas. So the 23rd, they're going to be preempted. So we're going to see kind of how they deal with that. I felt they did well with it. I felt like they really leveraged their opportunity to follow up NBA basketball earlier this year. 
Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully they bring some good matches. Hopefully, like we said, we see some TH2 Young Bucks matches. Um, yeah, and don't forget, like, this this new um, agreement they have with Impact, supposedly. This can bring us some good matches. It just makes me wish that the Rascals were still there. Because, you know, the Rascals would have some dope matches with AEW's tag team division. But that's neither here nor there. There's a lot of things that can happen with Rich Swan and fucking Willie Mack and uh, Sammy Callahan. Maybe a Switchblade conspiracy reunion. Yeah, Just, we don't want to we don't want to we don't want to get too into it because I know we're right, 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 talking right. about it later. So, OK, but that's how excited we are about it. And everyone else should be excited about it, too, because it's cool. Like, right. AEW has kind of flipped the script on on interpromotional agreements like to tonight. Tonight, the cleaner was wrestling in AAA, and so were the Lucha Bros and a bunch of AEW talent. So it's cool, and we've obviously seen the women's uh, the women's um, man Thunder Rosa. I can't. Yes, I don't know why. That's right. I mean, she. I just feel like she's in AEW now in a way. I think but, so. But she's from um, from NWA. Yes, thank you. I don't know why I want to say PWG, but uh, yeah, NWA. So obviously, and then we know there's been like some the New Japan Pro Wrestling. They've been licking each other's buttholes. Yeah, so there. We'll you see know. what happens. All we got to do is wait and see. It's definitely very uh, one of the more exciting moments in wrestling this year. So all we got to do is watch, and that's it. But speaking of watching, we are there is another brand that wrestles, and they wear black and gold. And we're talking about WWE NXT. First, we'd be remiss if we didn't go over TakeOver, which was TakeOver. Um, the War Games matches were good. I dug them. They put out all the stops. Very good. Both of them go out of your way and watch them. Um, a high, another high point for me was Tommaso Ciampa, Ciampa and um, Timothy Thatcher. It was surprisingly very good. Not that I didn't think they could put on a good match, but the buildup was not as good and they delivered a match which is i'm fine with that because i we've all seen the great build-ups and shitty matches we got the reverse of this one yeah and when we when when we watch the episode this week you see they're kind of building on that which was really nice because champa you know he had his match and thatcher came down to sit ringside very similar to what the blackheart had done and they're obviously i think that like you talk about tread on the tires I think you know that 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 has a lot of tread on the tires to go forward. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that that one can go for a minute. And both of those guys are not doing anything. This would be a very good feud that doesn't have anything to do with titles or anything. So very, just keep that going. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, both of the war game matches were good. Really thought it was a smart decision to put that women's match first. Yeah. Um. You know. I love obviously the iconic images probably and the the meme is Io Shirai putting the trash can over herself and yeah doing the dive which was great because I love Io Shirai right. um, but it's just interesting this year Gonzalez and it's like well last year that was like Ripley it's like wow right. what a difference a year makes man what a difference a year makes yeah I like that I like that they're building her up because they're building someone new and it looks like. People might be heading over to the main roster, you know, perhaps, you know. So, I mean, I'm always up for building building newer people. That keeps the division moving and stuff like that. But um, on to an upward, we have uh, Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes that were in a strap match. What do you think of that? I liked it because I'm a Loomis mark. Um, but it was more entertaining than most strap matches. And 
I hope this puts the period and the end on this feud and, and Loomis can move on. I think we probably said that last week, right. the week before. Um, but, you know, it was a good, you know, it was a good match. It wasn't the best. It was just something different. It kind of broke up the, it kind of was a nice, like, aside to what was going on overall, um, excuse me, with the with the pay-per-view. What I really liked was uh, Johnny Gargano winning again. Because Johnny always wins. I didn't like that match so much. I thought that was not. I, I thought that was the least entertaining match on the card. Not that it was bad. I just. I'm just tired of them. So I mean, well, they I, didn't, need- I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't necessarily think the match was super great. I just like that they put Johnny Gargano over, and that should end the program with Priest now. Yeah, and because because Priest Theory is- interfered. Now we've got this like, you know, delightfully annoying. Austin Theory Gargano family thing going on. Bleed that right into this week's NXT, and um, it looks like they're doing a, a program with him and Karrion Cross, who made his return. So, I mean, I'm I'm all for that. It looks like Priest might be eating the eating the pinfall, and when it's all said and done, because Cross ain't losing on his way back. But it's good. There's a lot of good things that happened this week. Finn Balor came back, and we had um. What else do we have? I can't see. We have a lot. What There's I like, I liked, uh, I liked the two, the two, the end of the show is really good with the Pete Dune and Killian Dane match. Yeah. And then, and then the women closing out with that Ember Moon Gonzalez match. Yeah. And Ember Moon did not look weak in defeat, man. No, she did. It just that's the classic saying. She just ran into someone and just like took too many licks and she got put down for three. That was a good match. That's what was supposed to happen, especially if you're building Gonzalez. The loss doesn't hurt Ember Moon. I know she just came back, but if they're trying to build Gonzalez, that's the way to do it, being former NXT champion. So um all in all NXT wasn't bad. Like it moved some storylines around and the matches were all good. So I I didn't have a problem with that. No, between the two this last week, I would definitely give the nod to NXT. Sure. Between the two the previous week, I would definitely yeah. give the nod to Dynamite. Yeah. Uh, and then, but um, before we head off into our uh, Monday Night Raw and stuff like that, we're going into NLW Fusion. And uh, the Opera Cup is continuing. Um, Davey Boy Smith Jr. is out of the Opera Cup. He took a loss to low-key. And out of MLW. What's, yeah, yeah, he's out of MLW too. Is he really? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why that's why he lost. So where's he going? Court Bauer. It's not. Um, it's not. It has not been released or determined yet. But yeah, that's what Court Bauer said after that match. He did the press release and he said, or the presser, and he said that, uh, yeah, Davy Boy Smith. That's it. That's it for him in MLW. Oh. And obviously, the week before we saw Pillman Jr. lose. Um, in his match, not part of the Opera Cup, but uh, again, Pillman Jr. is out. So it's interesting they came back for the restart. They've lost some talent, but um, it also, like, a little bit of swerve for those of us trying to predict it. I'm just saying low-key winning is not bad because Richard Holiday, he beat Richard Holiday, and um, it looks like they're sending up low-key versus t- filthy Tom Lawler for the finals. And I'm not mad if either of those guys win in the Opera Cup. No, and for someone who's never been really exposed to low-key, like, I haven't seen a lot of his matches, or, you know, I think he both of these last matches were great. 
Yeah, um, he's really good. I've known him, I've watched him for a minute. He's a guy behind the scenes that takes himself a tad too seriously, but in between the ropes and in the ring, he's really good. So big ups. And then the last thing um, I want to mention was the Von Erichs and Contra match um, ended in a schmoz, which is cool because neither of those guys should be losing. I don't see them putting the tag belts on Contra anyway. They don't need to double strap anyone. And um, on top of that, Team Filthy with that tag team. It's what's called Violence is Here or something like that. Those guys weren't bad. Good fucking chain wrestling and striking. It's like MLW, if you like a, if you like variety in your wrestling, that's the show to watch. Yeah, and it's nice because it's an hour long and um, it's free. You can get on the YouTube machine, uh, lots of different places. Check them out on uh, their Twitter feed and you'll, you'll know. Um, yeah, but it's interesting. Like I said, they've lost a little bit of talent, but... Um, they introduced that new Contra Beast, and this this coming week, Hammerstone is going to be back. So nice. excited about that. Yeah, very good. Yep. Um, on to the main roster. We're just going to touch up on some of the high points and some points that we're not too sure about. I mean, the feud with The Fiend and Randy Orton is still going strong. It's getting a little weird, but that's in a good way. Um, I dug how they set up that whole thing on Monday. Um, they just keep knocking it out of the park. Firefly Funhouse is one of my favorite things, and I like the continuity of the story with Randy Orton in it, you know what I mean, because they had history. And it just shows you, whoever's a writer in the WWE should take fucking notes, because Bray Wyatt's pretty much, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton are pretty much in charge of this feud. Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, and Michael Hayes are pretty much in charge of the Reigns thing going on. So this is what, and Vince should probably be the one taking notes, because this is what you do when you just have the guys putting in the fine screws and not trying to write a shitty movie script. So it's a good job on that. Yeah, I agree. And it's so interesting, right? Because, like, Fire, like, The Fiend is so over. Yeah. Not really, like, a heel. So you need someone like Orton who can be, who is naturally a better heel anyways. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, on to um, some questionable stuff. I don't think Oscar's going to be dropping any titles to Baszler. And uh, I mean, and just to be honest with you, we, you've always known if you listen to past episodes, and if you haven't, go back into the archives. Baszler was always pretty meh, you know, in NXT. You know, she's a legit badass. She's an ass kicker, but her presentation is not so good. And in classic main roster fashion, they figured out a way, a way to make me care about her even less. So... Yeah, I agree. It was nice to see Lana get a little bit of revenge, right, uh, this last week. But it's just it's a terribly written program. It's awful. And I think of the I think in a lot of ways, man, it's just like, and we kind of we've talked about this on mailbags and stuff. It's like Baszler isn't necessarily a bad in ring talent, but she is a she is a professional athlete who specializes in mixed martial arts. So she hasn't trained or she's not good on the mic. She can't cut good promos. She can't build her own heat. She can't do all these things that could accompany her actual talent to make her a compelling character, right? right. I'm not talking shit on Shayna Baze or the person. The reality is it's like I'm not asking a wide receiver to block a defensive end, you know? It's like they just don't have that skill set. No. And I think that's that's one of the things that WWE sometimes runs into. And then obviously they just like shit on NXT talent once it gets to the main roster. And even sometimes just throws them back to the uh, performance center. Sorry, Keith Lee. Apparently you need more in-ring skills. Yeah. It's fucking insane. That's another head scratcher. 
Um, onward and upward, retribution. That storyline should just disappear. I don't even want to go over it. I'm not wasting any time on that. That should just drop it like they did Raw Underground. No one's going to notice. Um, New Day Hurt Business for TLC. That's going to be a good match. Hurt Business needs those. These to be strapped already. Quit dicking around. I mean, they've been one of the higher points on Raw, and they we haven't seen as many dope MVP promos. So just more Hurt Business. And I think once they get the title, I don't. I'm the t- the match is for the titles, right? Mm, I'm not a hundred. I think so, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. All right. Well, let's just say if they are, Hurt Business needs to win either way. So then, um, on to SmackDown. So we have Kevin Owens going up against the Tribal Chief in TLC, and Reigns put the beat down on him this week, and you know had his fucking head in the camera and talked about his family and introduced him. This Reigns is knocking it out of the park, and this is coming from a fan, a, a person that's not the biggest fan of him. But this is the this is the Roman Reigns we've needed to see for a while. Yeah. So quick housekeeping. Yes, New Day Hurt Business is for the. The Raw Tag Team Champion. So definitely want to see the Hurt Business go over. Yes, absolutely right. Roman Reigns has really... What I liked is like Kevin Owens is talking about how he needs his family to fight his battles. And so Roman Reigns, the heel, does exactly what a heel should do. And he sends his family out to go fight his battle. And then he ends up getting... Yep. You know, he gets he gets his, uh, his uh, message across. And, you know, Kevin Owens... He's not taking the title off of. Oh, hell no. But oh, hell he's no. going to be awesome. It's going to be a good um, match. It, it's going to be a good match. Yeah, and it's going to be a good program. So, I mean, yeah. they only have, like, one more one more episode. Right. Um, no, that was the go-home because I think TLC is this Sunday. I think it's the 20th. Okay, never mind then. Or, yeah, next Sunday. So, right. I think we got one more. But it's just really cool. I like it. Um Kevin Owens should be doing stuff that gets him in front of the camera more. And, and he's just good. I really like him. Obviously, yeah. I'm a mark for him. But um, one thing I don't like as much, man, is like the other big thing on, on SmackDown is I don't – they're just not building up this Banks-Carmella thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, because here's the thing. It's – Shoster Banks came out with this good um, feud with Bailey, and they know that nothing's going to top that. I don't think putting a returning Carmella into the title is a good thing, but they need to start building some more legit contenders in the division because Sasha is like quickly running out of people to fight that are viable. Yeah. I mean, Alexa Bliss is off the table. Yeah. She's obviously doing her thing. She's busy and she's not even on SmackDown. Right. Yeah. Right. Then, um, they have, um, there's not really anyone because there's Natty. And then there's Billy Kay, but none of them are. You know, well, yeah, that was that was kind of crappy. That iconics and they, they're whatever they had going I on. I think I think Billy Kay's very entertaining, but she's not there to win belts. Not right. So you know it, what I mean? Natalia. I. They could have good matches, but Natty's just like, eh. like I said, they need to start building people up better. Sit down. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, and I just want to say as uh, to end it all. I love Sami Zayn. He's a great heel. Him running away from Big E and going underneath the mat and coming back to beat the 10 count. Just classic, classic, annoying heel work by one of the best to do it right now. Right. Very good. Yep. And I I agree with that. And I mean, that's about it. Unless you have anything else to add. 
Yeah, I do. Uh, Chad Gable and Otis. Chad Gable and Otis is stupid, and Baron Corbin Mysterio program is stupid. Yeah, I wasn't even going to touch up on those, but I had to get it. Anyways, we're going to take a powder, and we're going to come back with the coolest shit on the other side of the pillow. We'll see you around. Booyakasha. segment, Bobby's favorite segment, Mr. Klaus's favorite segment, and the Dark Lord's favorite segment. What do we like to call it? We call it Cool Shit. And as always, Cool Shit is started off with a special delivery. We have the motherfucking mailbag. And it is a good one. We're not dicking around with anybody's Christmas list to Santa. We're dealing about awesome questions about wrestling, about music, about whatever we want to talk about. So for everybody, thank you for sending in the questions. If you want to get at me, you can follow get at me on the IG and the Twitter machine, which is at WrestleLocalypse. Xander, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram under Xander Hobbs and on the Twitter machine on Hobbs Xander. Yeah, and I'm going to jump on this first question because I think it's my main man, Ray Mysterio, obviously. When he's talking to us, he goes by a pseudonym, The Real Mysterio. Um, but obviously, he wants to know, what are some of our favorite Christmas movies? Well, I'll start. I have, I like the Home Alones. Those are badass. I grew up with them. Uh, Kevin McAllister and his little uh, minefield of tricks and stuff against the two bumbling criminals are dope. I like Bad Santa. That's a classic one for when the kids go to bed. You watch that movie. Real good, real irreverent. It's a, it's good. Die Hard, Nakatomi Towers, Bruce Willis, John McClane. And then, of course, you got to top it all off with Gremlins. I've already watched Home Alones this year, so I'm going to watch the other three. But, Bobby, what are yours? Yeah, I like to yours. I love all of those, but yours is a very adult list. Yeah, yeah. very true. So <laughs> I thought about it. I love uh, Tim Allen, the first Santa Claus. Fun fact. Disney had a rule they would never they wouldn't hire felons. Tim Allen, because of a little issue yep. he may or may not have had, uh, they actually broke that rule for him to do the Santa Claus. And it's awesome. I mean, it's such a cool movie. I love it. Um, love the OG Grinch from 64. 
Um, one of my favorites. Back in the day, my mom used to not let us watch Christmas movies till after Thanksgiving. Um, so right. that's the first one I wanted to watch all the time. Um, love the Muppets Christmas Carol. Love the Claymation Rudolph. Um, there's a bunch of classic ones like White Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street. All really good. Um, when I think of Christmas, a lot of what I like is the movies. And so I like all this different, you know, all of them, including... I like Badder Santa because it's a little more extra, as the kids say. Um, and then obviously Nightmare Before Christmas, like which is half Halloween, half Christmas. That's always on the agenda. Um, so yeah, man, like I like them all really, um, except any of these weird sequels. Yeah, I don't like or the any of those or any of those Hallmark Christmas movies that they show. Like those are those are hot garbage. But, you know, I'm sure you've seen all of these movies, but if you haven't, go check them out, you know, and, you know, stop living under a rock. But, yeah. yeah. There's another one. I can't think of the name of it. Uh, Betty Rebel likes it. It's with um, Ryan Reynolds, and he's like – Oh, yeah. He goes back to his hometown, and he's like a big a big shot. He used to be like a chubby dude. That's Just Friends. Yes. That's just Friends. And that movie's hilarious. I did, yeah, that that is a Christmas movie. To be honest with you, that's a good yeah. one. That's a good one. And then also too, I also did like Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn. Oh. That's a, that goes into the rom com category, but it's got its funny moments. So you know, check all those out if you haven't. You know, you're gonna be watching the same shit anyway. You can't do anything. You can't. So yeah, um, I'll just tackle this next one. It's from the GS2, and he says, "Thanks for the content." Like your show, I really enjoyed Dynamite this week. What are your thoughts on Sting signing a multi-year deal in AEW? Um, depends how they do it. I mean, if we have Sting just wrestling here and there and not in the main event and not taking belts like a certain Greenberg, then I'm all right with it. But, you know, Sting has a lot of injury issues, and I know he didn't like how he went out in the WWE, so he wants to have a match on his terms, which I can understand, but... Who's it going to be with? I know Jericho's been teasing some stuff. But I, depending on how they do it, I don't see it being a bad thing. Like I said, we don't need we don't need him at the top of the card. He's an attraction. He sells tickets on his own. So just keep it where it is. Have him elevate someone. That's what you do if you bring in younger people or older people. You have them elevate who you have. And it looks like he's going into a program or somewhat with Darby Allen. That's just what it, I think. So... We'll see. That's all I'm saying. We'll see. I'm not excited, and I'm not shitting on it. Yeah, one thing I do want to say about this, though, is it is interesting how, you know, I agree. We have to see how it is. But, you know, he comes out, and and the tribalism is so strong. Yeah, I know. Like, well, this is different. And all the WWE marks are like, oh, it's the same shit. You guys are hypocrites. And it's like, he's not going to wrestle. And then they're like, oh, but he's got a win-loss record on the website. Yeah, oh, he might wrestle. And it's like, everyone's so pissed about it. It's like, let's just sit back and see what the fuck they do. Serious. Wait till they're already planning what's going to happen. Nothing's even happened. Like, one bad promo aside. And it's just like, let's just wait and see. That's it. That's all. I mean, the guy obviously likes the business, and he likes it. So let's see what happens. Yeah, I agree. And here's the thing. It's like he has – he basically has cervical spinal stenosis. Yes. So he's not like – I don't know. Maybe he'll wrestle Taz. I mean, I just see him going in like 
triple like six man tags and tag team matches to protect him. He's not going to be doing one on ones as he shouldn't be. So does not get our panties in the bunch. They're not going to book him like Greenberg. And I don't think he wants to be booked like Greenberg. No, he doesn't. So. All right, on to the next one. Yes, Jordan Elite P12. Re- <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> 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 Rumor has it that Impact and AEW are partnering up. You guys spoke briefly on this in the first half. Do you think this will benefit both companies? I'd say yes. Xander, what do you say? Um, If done correctly, it's going to be good. I mean, Impact doesn't have a crowd live or watching. They don't have a lot of people watching that show. Um, Not that it's not good. They They don't have a lot of exposure, but AEW does. And it can help the Impact roster, who is very good, get on a bigger platform. And then we have all these potential matchups. You know, I mean, like I said before, you know, I mean, if like it, it, we'll see how far it goes, too. Like I said, this is all in the infancy. So I'm not like I'm saying it looks good. This is what um, promotions used to do back in the day. WWE did it with ECW in the 90s. So that was the latest instance of two like ro- two promotions coming together. I mean, like I said, it could only benefit Impact, you know? So I, I think as of right now on paper, it looks great. Yeah, I agree. And, like, I was thinking about it. Um, <clears throat> like, the Impact women's roster has some really solid vets and cool characters. Like, you talk about Rosemary, but they've got Wera Loca, Taya Valkyrie. Yeah. They've got Jordan Grace. They've got Perrazzo, former WWE talent. Um and then, like you said, I had to look it up. I didn't know about um, the collaboration between who John Moxley and Sammy Callahan. Yeah, man, Switchblade Conspiracy. That was very old from their CZW days. Some good promos going the YouTube machine, and they teased a little bit on it. Like Sammy Callahan posted something on the Twitter machine. I'm not, I don't remember what it was on the top of my head, but like you know, fans of those two old fans will know like the potentials. Like, of promos, of matches, like, of everything that could happen. I mean, you know, we're big fans of both of these guys, so it's something to get excited about. Like, this whole thing is, like, like I said, this is what the pro wrestling business is. And, like, imagine, like, if WWE could be on this bar of, like, you know, if they partnered up with someone, that would be cool. But, you know, they can't get out of their own way when it comes to, like, pettiness and micromanaging and doing all this shit. And it's like, Triple H gave him yet another diplomatic answer when asked that he's like oh we're always ready to play ball it's like no you might be but we know vince isn't and so that's just all a pipe dream as of right now yeah yeah no i agree i think there's a lot of cool matches you you talked about it like rich swan um eddie edwards oh yeah you know just like the the possibilities impact has a lot of different styles you know wrestlers who wrestle in different styles which would be good. So it'll be interesting. And like we talked about before, like I think one of the ways AEW can really set themselves apart and even like really cement some success is like maximizing these interpromotional relationships and, and maximizing your, your viewership. Because the reality is, is a, the way they're writing a lot of their stuff, it is in service of like pretty hardcore wrestling fans. Like, I guarantee you, you take a fucking survey, 
90 percent of the people or maybe not 90 but like 70 percent of the people who are watching raw or smackdown don't know who the fuck don Callis is right you know so that which gets all this you know everyone knows who sting is right i mean he's like an icon in the wrestling industry but like the Don Callis thing, which got all this publicity and IWC chatter. I mean, again, that's in service of these really hardcore wrestling fans. So if you, and this is the thing, like I saw some comment on Twitter, like, or I was, it was a comment on a recap and somebody was like, I don't understand how NXT isn't smashing AEW, all these things. And it's like, because they're just different folks. People like different things. NXT is really good at what they do, and they have their fans, and that's awesome. And AEW is really good at what they do, and they have their fans. And the way AEW is going to grow is they're going to grow by getting the New Japan Pro Wrestling fans. They're going to grow by getting Impact fans. They're going to grow by getting, you know, like AAA fans. And that's what they're doing. And if they have all these these, if they get their talent to go wrestle in these promotions. It really lifts. It's the rising tide that lifts all boats. I think it's fan, fucking fantastic. Yeah, and um, like I said, I half agree with that. I mean, you know, I believe that if you're watching A A W, you're watching Impact. I want to dare say most people, but like, like I said, this is this is better for like the talent, you know, more so talent, and then just the fans who are already watching, watching, because it's just going to put in some more matchups. So it'll be good, and then whether it gets to like a bigger fan base, then that's even better. So. I just see, not, like I said before, and I'll say it again, there's nothing but good things that can happen out of this if it's done correctly. That's always the caveat, if it's done correctly. Right. All uh, right. This, this one I'm kind of excited for. It's a little off topic. It's from Heel Empire, and he's he or she says, Happy it's Thanksgiving. E. Yeah, it's you know who it is. Yeah. It says, Happy Thanksgiving and Happy Holidays. I look forward to your show every week. I know you guys are big music fans. What were your top five songs on your Spotify 2020 playlist? Um, just for you guys that don't know, Spotify has been doing this cool thing to where they like do your year in review, listening to music wise. So like they'll gather all the shit you've been listening to all year and they'll like just make you a playlist and then show you in this fun little video like what what you've been listening to, how much you've been listening to it. So Bobby, you want to start us off with um, your top five? Yeah, and I and obviously I know that um, Roman Reigns sent this question in. Thanks, Roman. Thanks. We really appreciate you turning heel and doing what John Cena never could do, and that's yep. actually become a cool character and being at the head of the table. Thank yes, you. yes. So obviously, um, if you've been listening to this for a while, you know that I have a strong love for Mathemo, and this year that was is what as. At the top of my list. All right. So number one is a song called Night of Pencils by a band called Tuba Lord. Number two, Romanticore by a band called The Speed of Sound in Seawater. Number three, The Flood by Small Leaks Sink Ships. Excuse me. Number four, 62 by 10 Paces, Fire. And number five, bringing up the bottom of the whole deal is a song called January 1979 by a band called Me Without You. I've never heard of any of that. So that's not, I'm going to just take your word for it and seem that out like that was good. I just want to say, you know, what's interesting about this is because obviously 
things have been different this year. Uh, if I, I went back, because the cool thing about Spotify, too, is you can go back and see, like, your 2019, 18, 17, 16, whatever. Yeah. So, in 2019, the podcast also included um, dance parties afterwards. And I think, I feel like that really affected my playlist from 2019. Where this one is so, it's this is just, like, shit I listen to over and over and over again. I got in a rut, or it's something I was listening to when I was trying to work out or do whatever so but it is it's all of those are solid math emo if you don't like math emo don't check them out but if you do they're pretty fucking good all right well as far as my list goes like i you know was kind of all over the place but also at the same time there's all it tied in um i'm gonna start from the bottom up but just just on the outside honorable mention is This Fire Burns by Kill Switch Engage. That came in at number six, which is the intro of this awesome podcast. You see what? So that's a good one. So we'll start from five on up. Number five is Menace by a band called Five Finger Death Punch. Don't like the, guy, don't like the guys personally, but some of their music kicks ass. So <laughs> that's a good song. Uh, number four, I used to have a best friend, but he gave me an STD by Asking Alexandria. Which go back in the archives and you will find that song. It has been used as a walkout music. At all six of the songs, or all six of the songs I'll be mentioning are have been used for this podcast in one form or another. Just FYI. Number three, I'm Not a Vampire by Falling in Reverse. This was shown to me by Betty Rebel and I loved it. And I played the shit out of it. It's a really douchey song, but it's fun. So... I thought it was good. Number two, Saints of the Blood by Black Veil Brides. Real slam and riff. Very good. And then number one, drum roll please, with the bullets. Judas by Le Champion, Chris Jericho's band, Fozzy. That's nice. So that's my top five. That's nice. That's And nice. maybe Mr. Heel Empire, send us in your top five and tell us what you have been listening to in this tumultuous year. Well, I'm pretty sure that um, your welcome from the Moana soundtrack will be on there. Because uh, we really know who the head of the table is. Yeah, very true. Um, this oh. is an interesting question. Bobby, read I'll it I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. My main man, JP. I love this question. This is a very nuanced question. This is what we like. Send us more of things like this. But the question is, what Kurt Angle did you guys think was better? Which is interesting because better is a very, I mean, that's subjective a subjective word. term. Yes. But he wants to know TNA or WWE Kurt Angle. That is very hard. That is very, very, very hard because I've watched both of them, both versions of Kurt Angle. And to be honest with you, this is a little fun fact, which you probably know this, JP, is that Kurt Angle actually wrestled longer in TNA than he did in WWE. So not saying that that's going to sway anything, but that's just interesting. For me, I liked Kurt Angle's character in the WWE, like his goofy, it's true, three eyes, and then he became this badass wrestler inside the ring. Very cool contrast. TNA, he had some great matches. And especially knowing, too, um, you probably know this as well, that he was had some sort of a uh, prescription substance issue while he was in TNA. And he was moonsaulting off cages and having just great bangers of matches. I really don't know because, like, I don't know. 
I don't know, because if it's TN Angle versus AJ Styles, or if it's Angle versus Steve Austin, you're not going to lose with either one. But since the original one that I'm very familiar with is, I mean, since that was his first part was uh, WWE, I'm going to go with WWE Kurt Angle, but not by that much. Yeah, I mean, I'm more familiar um, with the, the WWE Kurt Angle. And like you said, I mean, he came in with the pedigree of being the Olympic, the Olympian, real, like, wrestler, you know, wrestler. Um, and I loved it. You know, I think I used it as my, part of my tagline, the the three eyes. Um, I think I used it also, like, there was a tweet, the uh, Iron Sheik tweeted something. Like, and I was like, oh, because I have the three eyes. Because I love that. That was, like, a great yeah. shtick, man. It was a great shtick. He, like... You know, this is an instance we talk about WWE now not hiring for the total package. And he was the total package, dude. Yep. Like, he yep. came in with a pedigree that was legit, which they love. They have such a heart on for that. Uh, he really got had a quick comprehension of the business, was cutting good promos, had a good character. He could do the acting. Um, so WWE, obviously. Um, but, you know, I think he was... I think he was set free a little bit, like kind of looking at, at the TNA stuff because um, he had some notoriety, but he wasn't constrained by the WWE style. So either way, he's dope. Um, there's tons of good matches, like you said. Um, you know, Kurt Angle versus AJ Styles, or you go back to like the 2000 King of the Ring tournament. Um, you know, so he's a great, great talent. It's a great question. And, I like them both, I guess, is the end, yeah, right? That's that's it. All right, this one's from The Ruiner, and this is going to be the last question. What do you guys think was the cause of all the John Cena heat or hate? Um, for me, I'll start it off. I think it was just a combination of things. It's, uh, it's oversaturation, you know, constantly going over. Like, the guy was at the top for, like, oh, like a, over a decade. And I know, you know, people say Hogan was there, but it's just like, Cena was um he was over for a long time um it's a different time too because like when he first came out his rapper gimmick was super entertaining you know what i mean but then we're in a different time and then he became the smiling saluting kissing babies hugging fat girls marine and it just wasn't for me it wasn't for my demographic and then you know and then it became the cool thing to do to just, like boo john cena like he's not my favorite type of wrestler at all you know what i mean but i'm not gonna go off to say that he sucks it was just he wasn't for me. And just for the overall heat, it was just too much of him. And he got pushed in favor of, like, other talent that were just as popular and just as over somewhat. Like, if you're talking CM Punk or other people. And, you know, he kind of, like, got kind of, like, put to the wayside. Um, I get why they did it. You know what I mean? The guy moved a lot of merch. The guy made a lot of wishes for, like, you know um terminally ill kids which i think regardless of what you think about them i think that's a cool thing i mean that's just it's just a different time man and like the crowd gets bored easy especially when it's a fucking cheese ball gimmick where he can't where he doesn't really sell and it just it just didn't it rubbed the older fans the wrong way that's just that's what i think yeah i mean i think you hit it i mean that is the that is the hammer on the head of the nail uh you know he never seemed to put people over Right. I mean, we could think of all of them. I think one of the ones that I remember most is uh, he was the first dude to pin Rusev. 
Yeah. Right? Remember when Rusev came in and Lana was like, it was very Rocky-esque in a way. Yeah. Like, and he, of course, that guy was murdering people that, with the accolade. Like, yeah. And then, of course, Cena. Um, Same I, with I Bray Wyatt. Like, yes. Bray Wyatt is another really, uh, like, all the momentum of the world and Smash. And then recently, all the rumors and innuendo, like, oh, that the WWE pushed, pushed acting roles towards Cena over other talent, even though that maybe the initial, because they had that power, which right. is all like, it doesn't help the guy. But, you know, I think that's a lot of it. I think in the end, he just became the face. I think him and the Bellas be, having their show really became the face of a very mediocre product for the WWE. Like, an extended period of time where it was just a mediocre product. Like, yeah, it couldn't. I mean, this is when they were having Sheamus. Granted, it worked out in his favor, but, like, I understand Daniel Bryan got over on his own. Yeah. Right. It wasn't because, like, WWE was, like, because they were more focused on all this other ancillary stuff, you know? Yep. So, and I think that, like, yeah, it, it, the fans that are buying shirts bought a lot of Cena shirts, but they're not buying shirts now. Right. No. So, so, and I think that was, that's, in the end, that's probably why it's like the people who are left over, they, they're just like, nah. Right. But he's got a good well, Twitter. That was the mailbag. But I'm excited for this. This is going to be the match. We're going to move on to match of the week. And we are going to take you back to 1988, the first Clash of the Champions, where we have in the main event Sting versus Ric Flair. Bobby, I'm sure you told me earlier this week that you have never watched that match. I just want to know what you think and lead us in because I've seen it a ton of times. Um, so they don't – nobody really wrestles like this anymore. Right. You know, and it's interesting because I saw some tweet or something on the IWC that came through, and it was talking about like, or maybe I think maybe Jim Cornette shared it, which would make sense. But it was like, you could get heat, like wrestlers getting heat without doing anything. You know, he was talking about like, I could lock up, and if I need to get heat, I would pull away real fast and say they grab my hair. But then yeah. I would go grab their hair, and the crowd would get pissed, right? And, yep. like, boom, instantly you could get heat. And I felt like this match was that. Like, Ric yes. Flair was the champion and was the heel. Like, yep. and he came out, and then Sting, obviously this puts Sting on the map. I never realized it came, it was a draw. I love the celebrity judges aspect of it with um, yep. the older brother from uh, from Wonder Years. Yeah, and Jason like, Irvin. And a penthouse model. Fantastic. Just great. Yep. It was a good match. And like I said, like, I mean, I thought it was apropos to put uh, the match that pretty much uh, laid the foundation of Sting's career moving forward to where we're at now with him. You know, it's like he's a much different looking Sting. Um, and, but this is pretty much if you start there and then you can follow. We can, we've been posting a lot of Sting matches and stuff, too, if you look, go back into the archives. And you can see where it is. He was, he was the backbone of WCW because he's never left. Flair left. People forget that. Flair left in the 90s because um, I forget who was running. the Jim Hurd wanted to totally overhaul Ric Flair's character, wanted him to cut his hair and turn him into this Roman gladiator thing because he wanted more like – he wanted to copy what the WWF was because back in the day, NWA, WCW was more like a no-nonsense, pretty much guts, grip, grit wrestling program. 
while the WWF at the time was more like superhero over-the-top outlandish characters. So Flair left, went to the WWF, and Sting held it down there. And he's never left until, you know, they were bought out, obviously. But it just shows why he's so he's revered. And also props to Ric Flair, too, because if it wasn't for Flair also, it takes two to dance. And Ric Flair helped him establish Sting as the top babyface in the company. Yeah, yeah. And granted, he didn't. It was written so he didn't lose. Yeah, for sure. So, Ric Flair. I mean, Ric Flair is still Ric Flair. Like, yeah, I know. But what I loved about it is it made me research the whole deal with Class of Champions and how, like, basically the the industry told Vince McMahon, like, you can't, you can't schedule. You guys cannot schedule competing pay-per-views yeah because it was impossible for people to do it but that was the whole deal and that's where where class of champions came about because finally they're like f you vince we're gonna do the same shit so this was a free show uh i think opposite of wrestlemania right right yeah and of course jim crockett productions and um it was awesome, and this was a great match, and obviously these are two of the greatest Mount Rushmore wrestlers, and to you know, when you look at somebody, Ric Flair, put this is what we talk about putting people over. Right. This is why Cena gets the knock against him, right? Because look yeah, at Ric Flair. And Sting didn't even win, and he got put over. So it, it can be done. You don't just have to win, and you can get, and you can look, you can still look good in a loss or in you know, in this um uh, Broadway that they had. Look at that. Sting got built through a Broadway. Steve Austin built through a loss. It can be done. It's just not that anymore. But onward and upward because we are running down the time limit. We got a watch of the week and we got a pretty heavy one. At least I do because I've been watching a lot of shit. So I've, once again, I've been going through the Hulu machine, going through Top Chef's. The ones I dug a lot was Top Chef Season 11 New Orleans, and then this one I'm watching now is Top Chef Season 13 in California, and it's all executive chefs except for two people. So it's like the, the judges are a little bit ball bustier, and um, the, 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 the what's it called? Ugh, I'm having a hard time tonight. The competitions, like the, the stuff, it's like it's pretty, it's pretty intense. Um, I've also caught a couple episodes of this show called The Pack on – Amazon, it's about it's like it's like this reality based show, but with dog owners and their dogs, and they're running like you know they're doing challenges and stuff like that. I haven't gotten really too deep into it, and then I checked out Hot Ones for a little bit. That's when people are just eating celebrities eating like different kinds of hot sauce wings, and then I'm trying to get caught up on Dexter since that show is going to be brought back um, in late sometime in 2021. They're bringing it back for an eight short eight series or eight episode season. If you don't know what Dexter is, it's about the, he's a serial killer that works for the Miami PD. He's a blood spatter analyst, but he kills people that slip through the cracks of the justice system. So he kills only the bad guys, but that show's pretty dope. Top chef is dope. Check those out. Bobby, what are you watching though? So we found this show called grand designs. We'd watched the UK version, but now it's on DIY network and it's in Australia and basically what it is, it's like it's mom and pops, just normal people building their own homes. And uh, they do some really crazy things. We got sucked into it because the first one was these two old ladies who made a completely like carbon neutral, um, sustainable home. 
Uh, we watched this one, this lady on the island of Tasmania. I didn't know that Tasmania was a, uh, an island because, well, I'm American, so I don't know about foreign geography. But uh, she did. She had one of these little, uh, they call them pods, but those little houses made. And it was sick, man. So it's really cool. It's just like, it's just intricate architecture type stuff. Very artsy and a lot of uh, good craftsmanship. So I like that. There's a show called The Repair Shop. There's three seasons on Netflix. It's the same shit, except it's all these English people who are bringing these really old busted-ass shit up. Like, they have paintings with holes in it because a kid was practicing his dart gun skills, which I guess is a thing, and he blew a dart through a painting, and so they fix it. That's what's cool. Like They fix all this old shit. So really like that one. And then I totally binge-watched this series from 2017. It's on YouTube. It's on the Complex channel, and it's called The Blueprint. And um, they interview everybody from, um, you know, uh, Chance the Rapper's manager to um, one of my favorites was Todd McFarlane talking about just, you know, starting Image Comics, um, just drawing Spider-Man in a way that nobody liked. And just his whole story. And it's like, it's two seasons. And it basically, like, it's super inspiring to see how all these people, like, figured it out, persevered, and made it to do these really cool, creative things, you know. So that's how I roll it. I definitely, of all the three, um, the blueprint is amazing. And some of them are only, like, 15, 17 minutes long. Some of them are a little bit longer. But uh, really awesome. Yep, yep. That's that stuff sounds good. There's a lot of good shit out there, especially so since we got to stay at home. You know, just um, if you're looking for something that you don't know what to watch, check some of these shows out. Maybe you'll be surprised and throw some of your shows of what you've been watching, and maybe we'll check them out too. But onto my favorite segment of the show, we're on to walk out music. We're walking to the ring because we're gonna be fighting. And so, Bobby, what are you coming out to? Well, I like to throw my um, opponents off, so I'm not coming out to anything too crazy or too uppity, but uh, it's from a band called Facing New York, and the song is called Javelina. And um, like I said, you know, a lot of math emo at the top of the list, so we're going to hear a little bit now. Get your calculators out. Do this equation. Have we been falling down the hill? too hard to know.
There you go. I hope you guys all figured it out. Um, send the answers in. Whoever gets it right will send you a WrestleOcalypse Dakota ring, and you'll be the first, um, you know, honorary rest, uh, honorary horseman of the WrestleOcalypse. Boom. That's a good prize. It's a good prize. Get it out there. Mine is, I'm not going too crazy. I'm just taking it old school because this is on my 2020 list. I'm going through Dio straight through the heart. That's off the Holy Diver album. It's just a sick song. Classic 80s metal. Ronnie James Dio, one of the quintessential voices. I, I should stop going because you could just listen to it right now. And then when you get a chance, listen to the whole song because go download it and listen or don't listen to it on Spotify. Uh, the guitar solo is really fucking good. Vivian Campbell just off the hook. He plays for Def Leppard. He's been playing for Def Leppard for a while, but when he was in Dio, that's some shredding ass guitar playing. So those are both dope songs. Check them out. Now that we're inside the ring, Bobby, what are we covering today? I don't know, but don't fuck with me because I'm gonna put you in the camel clutch. All right, one of my favorite holds, a very heelish one, and it's um one of your uh, classic stretch submission holds. And so we'll just give you a little backstory of it. The move was invented by Gory Guerrero. That name sound familiar? That's Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero's dad. And um, it was in Mexico, and it was called La De a la Caballo. That's horse mounting choke. But then the Sheik used it and called it the Camel Clutch. And it starts out, the wrestler begins the hold by standing over a face-down prone opponent. The wrestler reaches down to pull the opposing wrestler up slightly, sits on the opponent's back, and places both of the opponent's arms across their thighs, usually locking at least one by placing the arm in the crook of their knee. The wrestler then reaches forward, cups their hands with their fingers interlocking, grabs the opponent's chin in their cupped hands, and leans back, pulling the opponent's chin and applying pressure to their back. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yes. Um, obviously, I remember it from The Sheik. The, the Sheik used it. The original Sheik used it. The Iron Sheik used it. Those are the two most popular. Later, um, Scott Steiner, when he got even bigger, used it as a new finisher called the Steiner Recliner. Um, it's, <laughs> it, was, it was a poorly placed one. Um Maurice used it. That's first of I know. I didn't really watch him. And then uh, Miro, aka Rusev, right. used it as the accolade. Now it's called Game Over. It's right. a very, it's a very heelish move. There's variations of it, but you know the classic one is the one you saw. 
you know, with the arms over the knees and just wrenching back. I'm, I'm assuming if you got it put on for real, that it would fucking hurt. Yeah, yeah. And and, and people are, people use it like, um, you know, you'll see it in like uh, New Japan and, and yeah. a lot of people, different, like they still use it. Um, but it's, it's, it's become, it is an iconic move for people from our generation. Right. And there's and a reason why it's called the camel clutch, which is, I mean, kind of a racist name for it. Like, yeah. Now it didn't age well. No, it did not. Um, be careful though, because there are imitators. If you do not see the arms across the thighs, that is merely a reverse chin lock. It is not a camel clutch. There is a difference. So right. just keep your, keep your eyes out there. Yeah, and this is really like, uh, you know, one of the classic submission moves. I think so. It's it's old school. It was used before I was even watching wrestling. Like, it's one of the OG ones. Like you said, Gory Guerrero, that guy's been a while, and his family's pretty important. But it's an old one, and um, you don't see it too much too often because it's that protected. If someone has it in your on your roster like i said miro uses it in aw so you don't even see like reverse chin locks being used as like a submission like as a like rest hold or anything like that and rightfully so like it, it keeps the weight of it it keeps like it keeps the severity um high of the move and so it's one of the it's, it's a protected one and uh, it's cool. I'm, I'm glad it's still around because, you know, in the day of wrestling where things have evolved and everything has turned up into a setup move because all the spots are becoming more and more uh, grandiose. It's good to see a nice old school effective maneuver still being used properly today. Yeah. Do you remember when uh, Rusev put three dudes in the accolade? Yes, that was awesome. Yeah. And the accolade, I mean, it was the dominant move until he lost the Cena. Yep. Yeah, so. Guess what? That's why Cena got the heat. And on that note, yours truly, Xander Hobbs. Ours truly, This Life, and I'm Bobby B. We'll see you around. Yes. Well, not really. Stay at home. Wear a mask. (laughs) And like we've always said, wash your ass. Yep. (laughs) All right, brother. Good show. I'll talk to you this week. Yeah, probably okay show, but I like the I like the yeah. uh, positive I like the positive vibes. Yeah, I don't know what happened to me. I've just been on the fucking edge, so we can't let them all you know. And also the uh, tell people to stop to get off Pornhub. We're trying I to know. cast. We're trying to do the podcast. You're taking up bandwidth. Serious. We'll get a better show next week. Always. Yeah. See ya.